You're listening to Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. I'm Troy Kitch. When there's a large oil spill along our coast, it's a big deal. Plants, birds, and wildlife are injured or killed. Water and land is polluted. Beaches are closed. Fishing and boating is halted. So who's in charge of cleaning up the mess in the aftermath of a spill? How do we figure out the damage caused by the spill? How do we make a claim against the party responsible for the spill? And how do we restore the area back to health? Now these are tough questions. It was for just these type of complex issues that the Oil Pollution Act was created in 1990, a year after the infamous Exxon Valdez spill in Alaska. And there have been many, many spills since then, of course, and one of the bigger ones is our focus today. It happened back in 2007 when a container ship called the Costco Busan struck a tower of the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge and released 53,000 gallons of oil into the bay. After years of intensive studies to figure out the damages to plants, animals, people, and land in the bay, last fall a $44.4 million legal settlement was reached with the companies responsible. The bulk of this, $32.3 million, is now going towards restoring natural resources injured by spilled oil and to improve Bay Area recreational opportunities affected by the spill. Well, today we're gonna to talk about how this came to be. While we'll be focusing on this one spill, you'll get a good sense of how we deal as a nation with big spills wherever and whenever they occur along our coasts. We're joined on the phone by Greg Baker and Natalie Cosentino Manning. Greg is Regional Resource Coordinator with NOAA's Office of Response and Restoration. Natalie is Restoration Program Manager for the Southwest Region with NOAA's Fisheries Restoration Center. While they both work on the West Coast, I caught up with them at a conference they were attending in New Orleans where they were working on issues related to the Deepwater Horizon spill in the Gulf. Greg's up first. He began by explaining that when a spill happens, there's of course the cleanup part. But there's also the part about figuring out the damages caused by the oil. That's where natural resource trustees come in. Who are these people? Well, they're men and women who work at protecting natural resources every day, who join together as trustees at times of crisis when big spills happen. They come from states and tribes affected by the spill, and from federal agencies like NOAA, the EPA, and the Department of the Interior. When a spill happens, there's a cleanup aspect to it. And then there's this other aspect of damages. You know, what were the impacts? And shouldn't the responsible party have to do more than just clean it up? Shouldn't they have to fix the losses that occurred as a result of the spill? And that's the role of the natural resource trustees, essentially to advocate for the fish and the birds and the things that on their own really can't file a claim against the company that caused the problem. Trustees are charged with figuring out the damage done when big spills happen. This process, natural resource damage assessment, may take years of detailed scientific study. But let's take a step back to the time right after the spill. The first thing that happens is that all of the people who are designated as trustees gather together as quickly as they can. Then they jump into action. First, they get a download of all the known details about the spill from the On-Scene Incident Command, the first responders. At this stage, trustees are trying to get a handle on the big picture. Things like, how much oil was spilled? Has the spill stopped? Where is the oil heading? And then we plan out what kind of data collection we need to conduct immediately. So what are the potential impacts given the size, the location, the season of the spill? Uh, what kinds of resources, fish, birds, wildlife, are we expecting are going to be impacted? And therefore, where should we plan to go out in the field and collect that information? Then they head out. 
This initial look at damages can take weeks or a few months, depending on the spill size. After the initial sweep is done, the trustees decide if the damages are big enough to warrant a long-term, full-blown damage assessment. Greg said that longer-term assessments are often needed because areas sometimes have to be studied over seasons and even over years to really understand what's going on. And that was the case with the Costco Busan, which took two years to study. One of the things they looked at was how the spill affected different habitats in San Francisco Bay. One such habitat they looked at were rocky intertidal areas. They gathered together what they knew about the types and amounts of plants and animals that were living in these intertidal places pre-spill. And then if we look at the condition of those areas after the spill and take photographs, take measurements, scientifically, statistically, rigorously conducted studies of the before and after, and then to look also at over time how quickly they recover. We can from that get a sense of what the impacts of the spill are and what kinds of actions would compensate for that. Now, of course, an oil spill in a populated area like San Francisco Bay not only affects the environment, plants, and animals, the spill affects people. So natural resource trustees estimate the human cost from a spill, too. They do this with phone surveys, on-location interviews, statistical polling, and other sampling methods. The goal is to figure out the number of days of recreation people lost because of the spill and the value that people place on, say, a trip to the beach on a given day. And so those two things, the number of trips that were affected and then the value of each trip are multiplied together to come up with a dollar value for what we think the economic impact of this bill was to recreation. So the assessment phase comes down to putting a price on what it will take to restore all the damages to fish, plants, and wildlife, to habitats, to shorelines, and to human recreation loss. For the Costco Busan, the legal settlement came out to $44.4 million, and that's the biggest settlement to date since the Oil Protection Act came into force. Greg said that assessment isn't an easy process, but it works. While we've come a long way, I think, in in recent years in trying to prevent spills from happening, spills will continue to happen. When a spill happens, it's important not only to clean up the spill, or even not only to, say, impose some sort of fines or penalties on the party responsible for it, but it's important also to make the public whole and make the resources whole so that everything is restored back to the way it was and it's the way it should have been had the spill not occurred. And that's the role that the damage assessment process plays. And sometimes it seems to take a long time and it may seem that it's somewhat a secretive process because it's a legal process in addition to being an ecological study. But when all is said and done, I think it accomplishes what it sets out to do. But of course, reaching a settlement to restore an area damaged by an oil spill isn't the end of the journey. We're joined now by Restoration Project Manager Natalie Cosentino-Manning for the rest of the story. While Greg and his colleagues were studying the damage caused by the Costco-Busan spill, a parallel plan was evolving that used the data from the damage assessment to target restoration projects that would most effectively and quickly return the bay to how it was before the spill. But to get at what this really means, you have to first understand what we're talking about when we talk about restoration. Natalie said that this can mean many things. It can mean bringing something back that was there before. It can mean rehabilitation, improving an area so a particular species you want to bring back to health can thrive. And it can mean remediation or the removal of contaminants. 
So where do we start? Well, a good place is to look at restoration projects that were already planned and were pretty much ready to go for San Francisco Bay before the spill happened. She said it makes sense to build upon existing restoration projects that have already been vetted, rather than starting from scratch. Not only is this more efficient and less costly, but it's also about getting started as soon as possible so damaged resources aren't lost. There are a lot of restoration projects in San Francisco Bay that have been kind of, you know, in a holding pattern, primarily because of money, that have been built by a lot of local restoration groups, nonprofit organizations, scientists. And these are areas where we know historically there used to be marshes, for instance, or wetlands. And we know what the footprint of those wetlands look like. And with just a little bit of change in hydrology or adding a channel, you could bring back that wetland to what it used to look like. And so when we have a lot of historical documentation, we know where we can actually do restoration. And when there aren't pre-existing projects to tap into, the public is another resource to turn to for potential restoration projects. Natalie said that they know they want to have a project for restoring native oysters and eelgrass in the bay, so they're putting out public requests for proposals to meet the goals that the trustees have laid out in the damage assessment and restoration plan. The idea, she said, is to try and restore the mosaic of habitat types that were injured by the spill. Many of the projects will also be aimed at improving human use and recreation in the bay. A lot of the time, in fact, Natalie said that the biggest chunk of the settlement for a spill is lost human use. So restoration is also about compensating the public for the inability to enjoy the resources in an area because there's spilled oil there. So for a big spill like Costco Busan, a question that many people have namely the people who live in the area, is this. When are the restoration projects going to get started? So right now we're still revising the restoration plan. We had gone out as a draft to the public. We had public comments, and so we were addressing those comments. And then once we get that final out, then we'll be able to move the funds over and start putting money towards restoration. So we're hoping for some of those projects that we already have details about, hopefully going out this spring or early summer and start putting you know, some projects on the ground. Other projects that require a little bit more information or we're going to be going out to the public, that may be either towards the end of this year or maybe even next year, depending. Who does the work for each restoration activity? Well, it depends. Natalie said that, for instance, one region damaged by the spill was in a national park area, so the park service may have the people and the staff to do the job. The Costco Busan spill also affected NOAA's Gulf of the Farallones National Marine Sanctuary, and staff there may do some restoration work in concert with sanctuary volunteers. In most cases, she said, requests for proposals are sent out to seek companies that specialize in restoration. And so we'll get an array of restoration practitioners that will apply for those funds, and we would look at you know, their credibility in doing that type of restoration how they would do it, if they had all the permits, and those types of things. And last but not least, many people who live around the Bay are also likely to get involved. I've worked on a lot of restoration projects in San Francisco Bay in which the community is involved. We have a lot of community-based restoration projects, and a lot of times those, those folks are still interested in working on restoration regardless of you know who's implementing it. So there will be a volunteer source that may want to come out and assist with doing the restoration project for getting out and feeling you know good about doing something for the resources. So it really is a mix. So for the Costco-Busan spill, like other big spills around the country, the assessment phase, reaching a settlement, 
drawing up a restoration plan, incorporating public comments, and ultimately carrying out the projects to restore an area is a process that takes years. Natalie agreed with Greg Baker that this is one of the hardest things to convey, that serving as trustees on behalf of the environment for a big oil spill, it's a tough job. And to do it right, well, it takes time. It's a process, and we all need to go through it. I know a lot of people wanted to see results right away, and it's difficult to do. We at NOAA really want to do our best in documenting what was the injured resources and to what degree and what are the appropriate restoration projects. And all of that you know, takes a little bit of time. We're working our hardest and trying to do our, our due diligence and making sure that the nation's resources are, are properly accounted for and then properly restored. And sometimes that takes a little bit longer than I think what most people want. We're moving forward with some great restoration projects and you know, we're getting there very soon here. I wrapped up my talk with Natalie by asking her for her personal thoughts about the years she spent working on the Costco-Busan spill, the assessment and restoration plan to restore San Francisco Bay. She said, well, let's just listen in. I've worked along the coastline in San Francisco for the last 12 years. I used to be an algae (laughs) expert in where I would go out and be on my hands and knees right on the bay shores and, and coastal shores. And it's such an amazing area, and it's so rich um, and diverse that it was heartbreaking for me when the spill happened because I knew personally of many restoration projects that we had put on the ground, and I know how much effort we've had our volunteers and the folks that we've worked with local universities to implement those restoration projects, and the fear of losing them was heartbreaking. So... um, Coming to this point, seeing the restoration plan coming to fruition, and once that first restoration project gets on the ground, it's going to be a great day. I'd like to thank Greg Baker and Natalie Cosentino Manning for taking the time to talk with me for this episode. Greg is Regional Resource Coordinator with NOAA's Office of Response and Restoration. Natalie is Restoration Program Manager for the Southwest Region with NOAA's Fisheries Restoration Center. And that's all for this week. If you have any questions about the podcast, about the National Ocean Service, or about our ocean, send us an email at nos.info at noaa.gov. You can find us on the web. We're at oceanservice.noaa.gov. And our handle for Twitter and Facebook is usoceangov, all one word. You've been listening to Making Ways from NOAA's National Ocean Service. We'll be back in two weeks.